Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Well, there we go. Welcome to Publishing I was where my music with your are. host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Well, it took a minute for the music to start. I kept thinking, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, and I don't know if it's my computer or if it's the internet, but either way, it was delayed a little bit. But hi, this is Publishing Lane, and I am Margie Lane Klubine. I am so happy again this month to welcome multi-published author and freelance editor, Faye Lamb. Hiya, Faye. How are you? Hey, Margie and everybody. I'm fine. I hope everyone had a great resurrection day. I, I had a very peaceful one, spent it with my family, and just enjoyed the fact that we have a risen Savior. Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. We had a very peaceful one, too. We had um, Sunday was was really a day of rest for us um, here at our house. And it was it was a good day of rest. We needed we ended up um, we were packing my mom's house on Saturday. And so, boy, that was an emotional day. But it was a good one. I just love my family. And so we really got a chance to to be together and do a little laughing even in the midst of it. Um, But boy, I sure did need Sunday. It was an awesome, awesome day. Well, before right, we're going to go ahead and get right on to this. Um, those of you that have listened before, last month we started a new series, and we were talking about the sections of a novel. And I know not everyone uses outlining and planning when they're writing, um, and it and it works for them. Faye, your pants are right. Yes, I am. Right. So, and some of my closest friends and many multi-published authors are seat-of-the-pants writers and planning just scares the tar out of them. But to be honest, these sections are not just for planners because by giving an eye to these sections, it can, not, it can help in a couple of ways. I mean, of course, it's going to help the planners. It sets up kind of a skeleton for your story if you're a planner. But these sections can also be of help to pantsers as well. Um, Those who write by the seat of their pants, I know I have some friends that do this. I don't know. This may be you, Faye, but I know I'm not talking about Faye. Okay, everybody, I'm not talking about Faye. I am talking about a couple of my buddies that have talked about how they get blocked, and they're, they're like, they've been writing, they've been writing, they've been writing, and then suddenly they veered off course, and they can't really find their way back to connect to the plot, and they don't really know where to turn next. Doing this kind of an outline, just a basic, basic outline, can help a person who's a pantser get back on track, even if they haven't done it ahead of time. Um, Seriously, when a pantser gets blocked and they're caught, they can then turn around and say, okay, this is what I've done so far. This is what I've done so far. Oh, this is where I need to go now. And, And help them organize their thoughts of where they have been so they can figure out where now they need to go. Yeah, and last last month I shared that I use James Scott Bell's lock system. Um, right. And you can probably go back and listen to it. It's from his book, Plot and Structure. I'm giving Mr. Bell a little uh, plug there. Uh, but it's a Yay. great way for answers where, because I think what happens with us is we think that an outline sucks the creative life out of us. So if we can use like three by five cards and we can use this, this lock system and kind of keep our scenes going, if we veer off then, because I have painted myself in a few corners before and so how am I gonna, oh. how am I gonna do that? And then I go back with the lock system and, and I can do it. And I know you had mentioned um, last month that you use Scrivener and I do too. That was my dog, if anyone heard it. She thinks I'm talking oh. to her. Um, <laughs> She's talking about. He wants to write a book. He's crying to me, like, "What are you saying, mommy?" But you said last. <laughs> you said last month that you use eight, 
sections within Scribner. And, I'm sorry, my dog is just, she's never done this before. <laughs> she's adorable. Can you hear her? Yes, I can hear her. She's like, oh, I want to talk. <laughs> Give she's, me the mic. She's going to be part of, the, part of our blog talk, and I'm so sorry. Steve, That's okay, uh, you no worries. Let me get back here. We go. We're, you have your eight sections, and you work with yes. Scrivener. And then you said that you have uh, sections that, and that you can grow those sections up to thirteen. Um, and that right. in your sections, you have like one, two, usually two or three scenes. And I got to tell you, last month while you were talking about it, I was kind of brain dead because I was kind of like thinking outline. And as I was working in Scrivener this week, I looked at it and I look at my little thing and I see chapter one, scene one, chapter one, scene two, chapter two, scene one. And I said, <laughs> I do the same thing Margie does. I just don't, I don't write it down and think about it. <laughs> that is hysterical. So I, I, we actually use the same system. And in fact, I, I do use that you get their attention and what we're going to talk about tonight, the, the instruction. And I'm going to let you talk for a minute. I'm going to move my dear doggy out of the, out of the room. Yeah, I'm about to say, I was going to laugh. I was going to say, oh, y'all, those of you listening, that's not Faith saying it's her dog, but it's not really. It's her stomach growling. It's past her dinner time. <laughs> I <see you> just <laughs> crying at me. I would be so okay, bad. I would talk. be so bad. All right. No problem. No problem. Faye was talking about the fact that last week I did, or last month I said that we had, that I usually use eight sections. Well, you know what? I have never used eight sections. I went back and looked and not once have I used eight sections. I've always used at least nine because the last section I have falling action, we'll talk about that later, but it's always been a little bit tiny short section, but it's necessary. You have to have that, that breath at the end to, to call things done. So I, I always use eight or I, I always use nine. And then she was also talking about how I do scenes in it. Well, I misspoke because yes, I do. But I actually, in those eight sections, I actually break those down even a little deeper into subsections. And we're going to get, I put some real concentrated thought about this, this, this time, uh, this month. And I kind of mapped it out and I actually do subsections for each of those sections. So like the introduction section, we talked about three different kinds of scenes that I do in it. Well, I, each one of those, they're not scenes. They're actually subsections because I'll have two to three scenes in each of those. And that's where my scenes oh, okay. come in. And that's also where my word count comes in. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Faye. I should have told you about that before. But it, it, it really, I started thinking about it. And it's not really, it's, it's, it is not, it's not eight sections, it's nine sections, because I added the ending to the end of it. It's a little bitty tiny okay. short section. But each of those sections, I end up having subsections in it. And each of those subsections will then have two to three scenes. And that's where the word count is, too. Um, when I was doing my novellas, I would do um, two scenes per subsection, and each of the scenes were about a thousand words. And so that ended up giving me about thirty-five to 45,000 words for my for my novels when you add mm -hmm. subsections and some of these have more subsections than I was working with when you add subsections you then ob automatically add scenes and that builds your word count so you don't have to think so much about your word count as much as you are just building each scene within the subsection I like it because I don't have to think about it it's just there for me and I don't even have to give it a second thought um so last week, or last month, let's get back to talking about last month. Um, if you're successful at winging it like Faye is, then um, you might realize that you're actually putting structure without structure. You actually have figured out a way to structure it without structure. Um, and mm -hmm. for those of you that are like me, that, that outline, then like I said, you don't even really have to think about it. It's just there and you open up the scene and you're ready to go. You don't, it's so much easier um, because you know what you're doing. So and for, last and month. For a writer, yeah, I, wanna, 
I want to input this real quick, Mark. For a writer, the only wrong way to do it, if you're a panster or an outliner, is the way that doesn't work. So if you right. find yourself working into a corner without an outline, you need to have an outline. Or you need right. to find a system that works for you like you have. Uh-huh. And, and and it may be this. This is just, you know, I was a school teacher, Faye, for a lot of years. I don't know if I told you that. Um, mm -hmm. I was an elementary school teacher, and I firmly believe that, at least back then, I'm not sure about, it's been a while, so I'm not sure about teachers now, but at least for me back then, I felt like my job was to have something like a tool belt, and I had as many different kinds of tools as I possibly could so that when I mm -hmm. faced a different issue with a, with a child and their learning, my goal was to find the right tool to apply to that child mm -hmm. and help them learn. Um, and I, my ideal was individualistic teaching. But anyway, all that is to say, I feel the same way about writing. Um, that's why people go to workshops. That's why people go to conferences. That's why people go to critique groups and, and go to online classes and things like that is to get all the different kinds of tools because you never know when you're going to need that tool for your own writing. And so that's all this, um, this section is. It's just another tool that you can use to get, um, to get back on path, to get back on target, and or if you're a, if you're an outliner, to find your target um, so that you can do it. So last last month we were actually sharing from our own novels, and I have to tell you, I love doing that. But I realized that even though I know my stories better than anything, and I know Faye's stories, not everyone is really familiar with them. So instead, we're going to start going through three popular movies. And I chose some movies that, while they may not be my favorites, they're pretty popular. And I'm thinking most everyone um, born within the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years, 40 years, um, will have seen them. And I'm not even talking about people that are my age. Of course, we've seen them. But I'm yeah. thinking 20 to 40 years, yeah, you will have seen these movies. So um, we're going to talk through these movies. And hopefully you'll be familiar with at least one of them so you can see how the different sections set up. Uh, because movies are the same way as books. The, the only difference are they only last two hours instead of eight, an eight-hour vacation. And that's what I call a book. I call a novel an eight-hour vacation, unless you read slower like me, and then it's a 10-hour vacation. But that's okay. I'm getting faster. Um, so we're going to start by going back through the first section. And that would be the introduction that we talked about last week. And uh, we talked about that readers need to meet the lead characters. Their lives right. have to most often begin in what we call, when it's what I call in media ray. And it means in the midst of the action, we don't need to meet them when they're three or four years old and follow their life up until the point when everything is going to start. So <laughs> that means that. We have to set this the stage for our characters. Where are they? Who are they? What do they do? And we have to get them in trouble as fast as we can. Uh, mm -hmm. There is not only an introduction of character, but we see where they are in life, what their conflicts are that they're facing. And that conflict is what drives the movie or drives the, the book and needs to come in very oh. quickly. We call that the door of no return. And then there has to come a moment when that opening door of no return closes behind them and they can't go back to where they were. And that's the right. beginning of it. Um, and one reminder I wanted to say, when, when we say conflict, we're not saying that every story's conflict needs to be a full-on explosion. It's got to fit the genre. You had mentioned that right. last, last week. A thriller right. is going to start with something that shakes up the world, literally. A romance might just involve a hero meeting the heroine for the first time, and then the conflict starts with a misunderstanding or a reason for them to be apart. So that's kind of what we yeah. talked about last week, I believe. Right. Well, and I got to tell you, Faye, you're right about the conflict. 
um, when we're talking about conflict, seriously, a lot of people will tell you they have to be co there has to be conflict on every page, and they're right. That doesn't mean you have to have a bomb going off on every page or bullets slashing, but there has to be tension is probably the better yeah. word for it. There has to yeah. be some kind of tension. It's like um, it's like if you're if you're playing um, tug of war, if you release the tension and everybody on the other side falls down, then, I mean, the game's over. And so yep. you have to keep, through that book, you have to keep that tension pulling. And sometimes it's going to pull harder than others. Um, when it, And that gets into the pacing that we've talked about before. Sometimes the tension is going to amp up. And, I mean, to where you're sure if somebody were to knock on your door while you're reading, you'd jump. Um, mm -hmm. that tension has to amp up at different points, even in romance, even in historicals, even in things that are not suspense and not mystery, you still want that tension to mount. The conflict gets thicker. Um, you still want the tension to mount. And yes, it should be on every page. If you've got a page that has no conflict, um, then you really need to analyze what it's giving to your novel, what it is what it is doing for your novel. A lot of times pages that have no conflict or, or sections even that have no conflict don't need to be there at all. They're not even for the reader. They're more for the writer. I remember my very first book um, that I wrote, the first chapter um, when I took it to my critique group, they were so kind and so gentle and so honest. And they were like, okay, your story starts in chapter two. And I said, well, what do I do with chapter one? And they said, you throw it away. And then they laughed and they said, no, you don't throw it away. But you cut it off and you put it in a file all by itself. And then you sprinkle tidbits from chapter one throughout the rest of the story. Because all yeah. it was was information for me. And sure mm -hmm. enough, it was. And I my story didn't miss it at all. And so... When we're talking about, when she's talking about conflict, your your story is built on conflict. It's built on tension, and that tension needs to stay tight from the very first page. Every page needs to have it. Um, so anyway, as we were talking, we were talking about um, this first section, and I actually renamed it. And I know that I didn't tell Faye about this. I'm, I renamed it, Faye. I, re I renamed it to the initiating phase simply because the oh, very okay. first part is the introduction. I mean, you have to introduce them. The whole thing is not an introduction. And so as I was just saying, um, instead of doing big sections and then scenes, I actually broke them into subsections. And so the initiating section is the very first section. It's your very first section, primary section. I could have named mm -hmm. it that. But the initiating section has um, the area where your main character, your hero are both introduced. And that is going to be that first part. Their values, mm -hmm. their fears, their normal life are shown, or at least they're hinted at. And as the section progresses, like Faye was saying, some of their goals are going to come to light. And then again, it ends with that ignition that propels the character into the plot, just like Faye was talking about. Yeah, that's that's the doorway or a point of no return. And that's what they say in the movie biz, that your characters have right. to come to that. You To keep the conflict, you've got to have a point where they can't go back. Right, right. Well, it actually reminds me of... Um, the the movie Phantom Phantom of the Opera or the book Phantom of the Opera, mm -hmm. in particular the musical where they sing this is the point of no return and that actually was a second point of no return for her but still it is you have to go through those doorways where you can't go back um, and we've got three movies that all have those points of no return in them and they're easy to see so the first one is we're gonna do the first movie we're gonna do is the Princess Bride and Basically, I chose that one. It's not really one of my favorites, but most people are familiar with it. And to be honest, some of the section titles are right out of that movie. And I didn't do it on purpose. It was just perfect. And so we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, analyze The Princess Bride as the first one. And I love The Princess Bride, but I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I like it for a different reason. I like it because uh -huh. of the relationship between the boy and the grandfather. And I know we're going to talk about Buttercup and, and, and uh, Will tonight. Wesley, but I'll, yeah. I'll, 
Yeah, Wesley. See, I I just yeah. I like the little boy. <laughs> but I'll tell you why in a minute. I think I'm gonna have I'm gonna have people sending me hate letters. <laughs> oh, whoops. Well, the second movie is Star Wars: A New Hope. Now, this was the very first Star Wars epic, and uh, I actually saw it for the first time as a field trip with one of my science teachers. I think it was an elementary school, but I'm not sure. But I have watched it now more times than I can count, and I can honestly say this one's one of my favorites. I could turn it on right now and just get a real big kick out of watching it again. I was 16 years old. And when we had never seen anything like that in our lives, that dramatic opening with the word scrolling and the millennium, 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 we're like, we're, I mean, you can just see the all the kids in the theater just go back in their seat <laughs> and yeah. things are yeah. right now. <laughs> Well, it is, you're right. It is, it is old hat, but I can tell you, my teenagers like watching that movie too. I mean, we watched Mm -hmm. it the other day and isn't that right? Yeah. My daughter's nodding at me. Yes. She liked it. We were watching it the other day, just, just so I could double check my notes on this and my whole family is sitting in here. Of course, my husband loves it. He likes Star Trek and all Mm -hmm. those different space things. And so it is a fun movie. And then the last movie is one that anyone who has had children in the last 15 years has likely seen, Um, especially this year because the live action version came out last summer and I loved it. And I have to tell you, it's probably the only remake of a movie that I like better than I liked the original. But this one is Beauty and the Beast. And here comes the reason that I focus on the grandfather and the little boy and the Princess Bride. I'm going to admit something, and people are probably going to think I'm a bad person, but I've never been a Disney princess type of girl. I played with Tonka. Oh, you're a bad person. You're just a bad person. I I love the story of Beauty and the Beast, though. And it's only bested by Disney's Enchanted because every non-Disney princess person realize that Disney was making fun of itself. And yes, I was to the yes. movie with another non Disney person, princess person, and we were the only ones that laughed at certain things because we got the joke. <laughs> but I joke. I, I yes. do like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Yes. Well, and to be honest, Beauty has, when I was little, Cinderella was my favorite princess, but Beauty mm-hmm. took her place. Um, I can't stand yeah. Ariel. I'm sorry for those of you. I, I have a daughter that looks just like Ariel. Can't stand her. She's a brat. But I love. You mean you um, can't stand Ariel, right? Not not your daughter. I can't. No, not my daughter. <laughs> Remember to put those toenails where they go. That's right. You know, that's why we edit. (laughs) I adore my redheaded daughter. I can't stand Ariel. She's a brat. My daughter is amazing. She is a a doll. Um, But Beauty is my favorite Disney princess because she is um, she's real. She adores her father. She's willing to go. I mean, if you found out your father was in trouble, would you not go get in your car and go try and get to where he is? I mean, I would. I'm just saying, you know, if my children were in trouble, I'd be going after him. Shoot, if my dog was in trouble, I'd be going after him. So, um, and <laughs> okay, okay, I've gone too far. Um, so anyway, Beauty and the Beast is is the third one. Um, and then, okay, let's see. So let me tell you what I had compiled. I'm sorry, I had to. I've gone on a rabbit trail. I had to find my way back again. This is why we have outlines. Um, so what I was telling you is what we compiled. Instead of section one and then scenes, I ended up doing um, section one and then subsections. And so if you're keeping track or keeping notes, section one is called the initiation, and it's it can just as easily be called the um, the um, primary section. It's just going to be the very first one. And that's all that I'm, I'm meaning when I say initiation. Um, subsection one, then, would be the introduction. And that's why I didn't call the whole section the introduction, because it doesn't, the introduction doesn't last the whole section long. It just lasts that very first part where you get to know the goals and dreams 
of the characters just a little bit. Subsection two is a reaction section. You're going to find that you have both action and reaction scenes. And in subsection two, you actually have a reaction to the introduction of, of how things set up. And then subsection three is the ignition. And it's, it's pulling the cord um, on a lawnmower. It's getting things started, turning the key. And that's where Faye was talking about at the end of subsection three is where that door to no return or that door is and the, is a point of no return that you can't go back on. So I'm going to talk real quickly about just the Princess Bride and through this, through these three sections, these three subsections. And again, what we're saying is this is a repeat, not a repeat, but a, a little bit more in depth of what we gave last month. And then we'll build on that with a section, with the second section. So for Princess Bride, the initial introduction when they're telling the story of farm life, um, that's the introduction of both the characters and their normal life. They realize that they have feelings for one another. And um, whatever, we don't really get a hint to their goals, but we do know that their goals involve each other. And so section two is the reaction to the to the introduction and section two wesley because he loves buttercup decides he needs to leave and make money so that he can marry her because he doesn't have the money to marry her um and it's very hard on buttercup she loves him as well that is the reaction to the introduction and then in subsection three buttercup learns that wesley has been killed by a pirate um, that exposes her worst fear her most intense fear and she now has realized the the worst fear that she could possibly have was living without wesley we saw that at the very beginning of section three which is the ignition and she has that actually happening to happening to her and so she's faced with a door her point of no return is a proposal from Prince Humperdinck, and she decides to accept his proposal and moves to the palace. And I don't think, I, I think she's a little different than the others because she's kind of a waif. I talk about that in a little bit. But I don't mm -hmm. think she realized she was going through a point of no return. Um, oh, no, wait a minute. No, she did. I'm getting it mixed up with Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, she didn't realize she was going through a point of no return. I'll get to that in a little bit, or Faye, Faye will get to that right next. But um, she she makes the decision to leave the farm and move to the palace. And so she is making that choice and walking through that door um, through to that point of no return. So, Faye, why don't you talk about Beauty and the Beast? Okay. Um, the The initiation is actually the, pro, the prologue of the movie. It's where we see... Uh -huh. Um, the prince um, and why he is uh, cursed into a beast. And he, we find out his background and we, we have the ticking clock running where if that last rose petal falls down, we, we know these things. Then, um, uh, Margie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this, but you said the song Bonjour displays the Bonjour. village life. Bonjour. That, that bell is in. That's right. Bonjour. Yes. Bonjour. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, it's the village life that bells in. There's actually two separate, completely separate scenes. It's like I said, each of the subsections will have more than one scene. And in this yes. case, the prologue is about the prince. And then the song Bonjour is about Bell. And then we, that's where the conflict is kind of hinted at. So then we go into our second the introduction where Belle's father Maurice gets lost on his journey and then Belle tries to avoid the advances of Gaston, the most powerful man in town. That right. um, sets up a little bit more conflict. We know that she's not really interested in him. Um, she's, she's more interested in her books, if I remember the story correctly. Correct. Um, and then we have, <laughs> then we have the ignition and that comes apart about when the beast gets Maurice, her dad, believes he's stealing a rose and locks him in the tower and his horse returns to Belle and she has to go on the journey looking for her father 
And that will open up a door where she's going to have to make some decisions because we know what's going to come about. The beast is going to well, make her see, and, Right. And to me, the fact that she gets on her horse and goes after her father, to me, that's her point of no return. She just doesn't realize yeah. it at that point. Um, yeah, you're right. And it, you're right. She realizes that she makes a choice in just a little bit, but she when she actually gets on the horse and goes after her father, she, she makes that uh, decision to walk through that door and she doesn't realize it's her point of no return yet. Um, and then in Star Wars, the first section, the introduction section, introduces Princess Leia. And Leia sends a secret message to Ben Kenobi. Um, it's through the droids, but then she's caught by Darth Vader and she's imprisoned. So, that that whole that is it that is the section that introduces the whole movie because it gives you some conflict you know something's wrong you've met the antagonist darth vader you've met the protagonist princess leia and the rest of it comes in a little at a time and so the that is the introduction the second part is the reaction to the introduction um the reaction is the droids escape princess leia sets the situation up, but then the droids escape um, to Tatooine, and they're sold to Luke and his uncle. Now, Luke is then introduced in this section, and you see him uh, craving adventure. He, he wants so bad to go to adventure, but he is very obedient, and he loves his uncle and his aunt. Um, he loves his father, too. He doesn't know anything about his father, but he has this deep desire to know about his father. And so when one of the droids end up going missing, Luke decides to go on this adventure that he craves. That is the reaction to the introduction to the fact that the droids are carrying this secret message. Um, several things happen. Luke gets in trouble. And then our third section comes up, and the third section being the ignition. Ben Kenobi ends up saving Luke, um, but that's not what sets up. That's all the reaction part of it. What sets up this third ignition is Ben Kenobi ends up looking at the entire message from Princess Leia, and Luke sees it as well. And Ben, Obi-Wan, Ben decides to go and help the princess. And he tries to get Luke to come with him. He's told Luke a little about his father. He's told him a little about um, the Jedi. And he invites Luke to go with him on this journey to go help the princess. And Luke says no. Oh, my gosh, what a boring movie it would have been if it ended at that point. No but conflict. it doesn't end at that point. That's right. There's no conflict. Um, ben and Luke end up going back to Luke's home and Luke finds his uncle and aunt have been killed. Well, now he has nothing to go back to. Again, he didn't actually make the decision to never be able to go back. It was kind of made for him. But he does make the decision, since he can't go back, to go forward with Ben Kenobi and take this journey um, and go through the doorway, the point of no return. And like I said, the point of no return, when his uncle and aunt were killed, he obviously could not return to his way of life because they were no longer part of it. Um, but he still made the decision to move forward with Ben Kenobi, and that was his choice. That was the, that was stepping through that doorway. So all of that's a quick rundown of the last program. So now we're going to go through that second section. Um, remember, this this is um, this will end up being nine different sections. Uh, the last one's just a little bitty one, so it's mainly eight different sections through a novel. Um, that first section ends with the main character or the characters passing in a point of no return, as we've talked about, even though they don't realize it. Um, Luke joined Ben on a journey. Belle went to her father's rescue. Buttercup chose to leave her life on the farm and marry Prince Humperdinck, putting herself in danger unknowingly. So section two begins with a plan or some type of action. Remember I said that some of your scenes are actions and some of your scenes are reactions. Well, we had a lot of reaction in that first part, and now we're gonna have some action because they have made a choice to go through this door. And so we're gonna start with an action. Um, the second section is called the plan. So if you're taking notes, the second section two is called the plan. 
And subsection one, the very first subsection is called action. I bet y'all could have said that with me. So for Beauty and the Beast, this was Belle reaching the castle. And if you go back and look at the movie, uh, the live action movie, she actually, she's down on the steps, she gets off the horse, and she picks up this big old hairy stick. Yes, it was big and hairy, or I wouldn't have said it was. No, I'm teasing. Uh, she picks up this big stick. I'm sorry, that's my Texas coming out. She picks up this big stick, and she is ready to fight for her dad no matter what. And she goes in. She hears him coughing. She follows him up to this cage in the tower, and he's sick. And that just heightens her need to have him released and her desire to get him back home. She is so concerned about him. So much so that even after meeting the beast, which she does right away, Belle is willing to take her father's place in the tower cell. And so that is that next section. She takes action to rescue her father, um, and which is all set up in the, in the very first section, the initiation section. Her action, the first subsection of the second section. Oh, gosh, that's really a tongue twister. Um, the first subsection action in our section plan is when Belle decides to take her father's place. So, Faye, you okay. want to tell us about Star Wars? Um, I do, because I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm fascinated by it, because you think about how Luke has met Ben, he doesn't know very much about him, and in, in this section, Ben is going to explain the plan to Luke, but he really doesn't come out and explain everything to Luke. Luke's kind of following right. along and he gets to see some of the the force that, that Obi-Wan uh -huh. has and it intrigues him and he follows him through and then we get to the cantina which is a, probably the most memorable scene because they need to find a pilot. And right. Ben, ben goes right in there and he and he's sitting he's right there with Harrison Ford with Han Solo and you can tell there's conflict that's what I liked in this scene because Ben has this plan to hire this pilot to get them off of Alderaan and to initiate his plan Luke is kind of clueless and Harrison Ford um Han Solo I keep thinking Harrison Ford his character yeah. is just self-indulgent. He's out for himself. He's kind of like a mercenary. And right. he, there's still this conflict in this action. So that sets apart them. Then the soldiers come in and they have to leave. And there's where the we've got the action going on. Right. So, that yeah, this action is, is basically they have to find a pilot or they're not going anywhere. And so yep. that's spurs them into that action. For The Princess Bride, it's a little bit different because, and I admit, I alluded to this earlier, the main character, Buttercup, she is a waif of a character. Now, a waif is kind of, is, I, when you think waif, think Snow White. Everything happens to her. She doesn't actually do anything. She doesn't make choices. And with Buttercup, especially at the beginning of this movie, she doesn't make any choices. Everything just happens to her. And she has to be on the defense. So um, typically, waifs react rather than initiate actions. So this section, this... this um, this action section for her really is kind of lame. Um, having chosen to marry, but to marry the prince, Buttercup has to move into the castle. Well, she really, you get the idea. She doesn't like it. And she takes her horse on long rides away from the castle as often as possible. So she's her, her action is that she's trying to attempt to get used to her new life, but Part of that is her taking these journeys away from the castle um, just to kind of, I don't know, free your, free your mind. Uh, it doesn't, the movie doesn't explain it. You just kind of get an idea of, you know, here she is, life in the castle. Oh, my gosh, she's leaving. And she leaves a lot, it seems like. Um, 
but it does set up, it's a small action that she takes, but it does set up a really big result. Um, and that's kind of the next section. The next section is not really the result of the action as much as it's a twist. Um, mm -hmm. You don't you don't always expect what's about to come up in this particular section. Sometimes this can be a new subplot, like the case with the Princess Bride. Buttercup is riding away on her horse, and she's kidnapped. <laughs> We're introduced to three brand new characters, uh, and 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 then not only are we introduced to them, but then they explain their whole plan. And this plan is a total subplot, a new subplot. They are attempting to draw in a neighboring country into a war by kidnapping Buttercup and blaming it on this other country. Um, but to be honest, this subplot is exactly what it's titled. It's a twist. Um, and in this mm -hmm. case, it's a twist. You don't you don't expect at this point, especially in a in a love story, you don't expect to be introduced to three new characters, especially not new characters that are going to ride through the rest of the story and be so important to the rest of the story as um, Anigo and Fezzik are. Um, and so, and so as, as, and, and to be honest, even though this is a subplot, it also becomes a major player in the main plot. And you don't know what the main plot is. Well, of course, most of you probably do because you've seen The Princess Bride. But at this point, the reader slash watcher doesn't know what the main plot is. They're just kind of following it along. So, Faye, talk to us about Beauty and the Beast with this second section, this twist. Let's see if I can do it do it justice here. This is where Belle learns for the first time that she's in the enchanted castle and she meets a candlestick, a clock, she meets um, the teacup and um, the teapot. <laughs> I'm so terrible yeah. with Disney movies. You're gonna shoot me. Um, but she's <laughs> taken on a tour of the castle. And I see a little bit of a twist there the enchantment is we we kind of knew it from the prologue that this was going to come on but we see but she didn't that know it. she didn't know it but Belle, right. we begin to see even though she traded her face with her father Belle is the kind of character that will overcome every circumstance and she does it yeah. with kindness and that's exactly yeah. what the beast needed. So we see that little twist in her character. She's going up with, she's going to release her father and she's mad and she's going to get him. But then when she stays with them, she gives compassion to this, this beast well, who doesn't even ask of it. Well, and I have to tell you, I get so tickled. Um, the live action film, again, we saw it again uh, a couple of days ago. My family sat and watched it while I was writing notes on this. And one of the things I get so tickled about, and the reason I think of it as a twist, she doesn't know that it's an enchanted castle. And so when the candlestick introduces herself, she whacks him <laughs> with something that she has. I can't even remember what it is. And then she picks up a picture and is ready to flatten the clock, you know, and did <laughs> she apparently realizes at that point, okay, wait a minute, I need to go ahead and go with these guys. I just, I get so tickled because she has no idea that it's an enchanted castle. She doesn't see any except the beast the night before um, and then she yeah, wakes up in the morning she's the one that has the yeah. twist <laughs> that next right so twist. she's actually the one that has the twist she doesn't actually have it um, and then in Star Wars okay this was a twist to me and it's not a subplot it's just a twist but it, it shows it reveals quite a bit about Luke's character um, he's a kid. And you know, when I saw it when I was in elementary or middle school, I can't remember what it was. He was a heartthrob. He was like, oh, I just love this guy. But now I look back at it and I'm like, this kid is just a, a baby. He's, somebody needs to put a diaper on him and give him a pacifier because he doesn't know what he's doing. And <laughs> in, so in Star Wars, Luke isn't doing anything. He's standing by the bar. Obi-Wan Kenobi is talking to, um, oh, what's the big carpet the big walking carpet I can't think of his name Chewbacca. um Chewbacca. thank you Chewbacca Chewie he's sitting there talking to Chewbacca and Luke isn't doing anything he's just standing there and mm -hmm. somehow some killer we don't know who he is he never comes back there's not I mean well of course he never comes back because he ends up 
well, kind of dragging himself out, but um, (laughs) we don't know anything about him, but apparently he takes offense at just his presence and he threatens to kill Luke. And Luke's like, well, if you tell me what I'm doing wrong, I'll try and stop. I mean, he's just, he's such a dork. (laughs) And the killer persists. And continues to, to threaten him, and he's about to kill him, and and Luke backs down completely. I mean, that to me showed quite a bit of his character that he really is a kid, and it's not that he's mm-hmm. that he has no courage. He is just has no experience. He has no clue as to what's going on. And I got to tell you, I could continue with that scene because there is something that comes next, but. That scene is not, is, I mean, the rest of that scene is actually a reaction to the twist, a re, a, an effect from the twist. So we have the twist, and then we have an effect from the twist. Um, something else that you might not even ex, ex, expect. This is the third subsection under this planning section. So we have the planning is the section, plan is the section, and the first part is action the second part is twist and this third part is an effect of the twist um and so for star wars what ends up happening here luke's backing down the killer is persistent and ben ends up pulling out his lightsaber and in one fell swoop he cuts off the killer's arm now the reason i say this is this is a different this is a different subsection even though it's the very same scene is because it's again another twist. Now Luke sees for the very first time a real lightsaber in action. And he is just full of wow. And it really changes his character with that. He's learned about the Force. He's heard about the Force from Ben. But this was the first time he actually saw an example of the power, and it made a huge impact. So even though it's the very same scene, and that doesn't usually happen. Usually usually the subsections will have one or two scenes every time. But in this case, it's the very same scene. But it's because it shows such an example of that power that I separated them. Mhm. Yeah. And and with Beauty and the Beast, that's also we she's already she's met the enchanted characters, but then they have a purpose. They're going to take her on a tour of the the west wing of the castle, but then they do what you never tell a woman she can't do. You must not go into that area because as <laughs> soon as you tell us that we're going to find a way to sneak in and find what we want to find. And that is the, that is the unexpected twist to what she, she found out she's in an enchanted castle. And can you imagine being told you can't go somewhere in the enchanted castle when there might be some more wonder there or just curiosity. Right. So that's they shouldn't the, have even shown it to her. Effect. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't have even shown it to her, but they mentioned it to her, and so it's like, oh, i got to go, and yes, you're right. And then there's the reaction mm-hmm. to Butter, Buttercup's kidnapping in The Princess Bride. You know, it, it is amazing to me. I, like I said, Buttercup is a waif, but a waif, um, the character of a waif, and I'm going to go just a little bit into it because it's really kind of cool. The character of a waif is that they have a spine of iron. They just don't use it very often. They prefer somebody else to save them. They don't generally do the stand. But in this case, she's been kidnapped, and she has the courage and the fortitude to try and escape her kidnap. Um, she ends up jumping into this whatever it is, lake or something like that, and she has an attack of screaming eels. And during that attack, not only – I mean, she doesn't do anything except just sit there and – you know, get scared in the lake, in the river, but or water. But um, the personalities of the kidnappers start to surface just a little bit more. Um, and so I really thought that was really intriguing because that is a really cool scene where her, the personalities, uh, one of the kidnappers is just horrible and he doesn't care the slightest bit about her. But the other two kidnappers, one of them has a brain. Well, both of them have brains. Um, one of them hides it, and he has a, a big 
heart and you know the others don't really see that but it kind of surfaces through this so now most of the sections that we have only have three subsections but this particular one has a fourth one because we separated the the twist from the reaction to the twist um, and this one has a fourth a fourth subsection so you have the twist and the effect of the twist, and there's a lot that's revealed in this. So the fourth subsection is the deeper problem. That's what it's called. Um, the In Buttercup, the three kidnappers find out they're being followed by someone, and that is the deeper problem. It goes a little bit deeper and a little bit more conflict there. Um, another layer, basically, of conflict. So Faye, tell us about Star Wars. In Star Wars, Ben and Luke, are they hire Han Solo, but in that cantina when the lightsaber comes out, it draws unwanted attention from the stormtroopers. So who, you, you have to think about that, that deeper problem. Who is the only one that can best the antagonist at this point in the movie, and who is going to draw the concern of the antagonist, and that's Obi-Wan Kenobi because right. who are the only people who have the light the lightsabers. So the that's Jedi, the deeper that's right. problem. The, the, the Jedi right. are the only ones who have those. So now uh, Darth Vader is going to be alerted, and that's just a very deep problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, another layer of, of concern, another layer of conflict. And then in Beauty and mm -hmm. the Beast, when, um, when Belle reaches her room and she meets um, – Mrs. Potts and she meets the madam, the, the singer um, who is the um, wardrobe, um, she actually learns from them the depths of the curse. Um, she doesn't learn mm -hmm. all of it, but she learns a portion of what's happened to the castle that she, that she didn't know before. And it, it ends up, it ends up, uh, I can't even remember if this is the part or not, but it ends up making a difference in her on whether or not she's wanting to leave as badly as she did before. Now, by this point, the main conflict of the of the plot is really easy to see. You see that there is a plot going. You see the main characters working on their plan, but this, this section generally ends on... Um, well, like we just said, a layer of conflict, something negative, something a little more suspenseful. Next month, we're going to go through the next section in this grouping, um, and it's we're still going to be talking about the same three movies. So if you get a chance, pull them up, watch them, get on it with us so that you'll be on the same page. Um, and we'll be talking about this next set, uh, this next section of uh, of of the of the nine sections, and these are the like we said before. These are the nine sections of a novel that when you're making the skeleton of a novel, as it were. So I hope you'll join us again. But until then, Right Integrity Press has some excitement. We signed three brand new authors at the end of last yeah. month, and I want to tell you a tiny bit about them. Julie Cosgrove is our first one, and she has a cozy mystery series that will begin in the fall. And this this mystery series, obviously it has mystery in it, but it also has history in it. And it is a search for ancestry. So it's really cool. It just has everything. And then early next year, Alexandra Jensen is going to share her inspirational book. Alexandra is a is a um, teacher in Oklahoma, and she's written an inspiration book, the inspirational book that focuses on teachers and the way God encourages them. And so her book will be an encouragement specifically for teachers, which I love because we need to give back back rubs to teachers all the time. And then lastly, Lisa Mayer. Um, Lisa Mayer has a couple of books in a fantasy allegory. Um, she has a couple of books that she had originally put out, but it's actually a seven book series. And she really wanted to publish with Right Integrity Press. And so we're going to republish the two that she already had out and then finish up with her Elysian Journeys. And that's going to start um, early next year also. Um, and I'm really excited about that because this is a fantasy allegory in the same flavor as um, the Chronicles of Narnia. And so my, um, my acquisitions editor just absolutely loved this. Now, and then Wait, Faye, you'll have another book yes. out, right? 
Yeah, tell I me about it. I think so. I think, we're, I think we're moving it toward the end of the year because I'm still enjoying this terrific journey with Delilah right now. And I'm very yeah. hopeful that the readers are going to find her as charming as ever. And if you know Delilah, you'll realize that was sarcasm. Delilah is uh -huh. a blast to write because she's so brash. And she and her heroine are entertaining me to no end. She has a good friend. Her name is Libby. And Libby's story was the second in the Ties That Bind series. And you have reminded me that I need to mark my calendar. And I hope that you all will mark your calendars as well. Because Libby is going to be on sale beginning April 22nd. Right. And in addition to Libby, we also have um, the second book of the Really Rare Rabbits series is a picture book series and that's going to be the, that's going to start that sale starts this Sunday and the ebook is only 99 cents for all of these and then on the 15th Marie Well Kachu's book Thirsting for More is going to be on sale and then the very last week of the month beginning on the 29th um, we'll have The Other Side of Freedom by Cynthia T. Tony for sale. And I love that. That is a middle grade reader. It's a, it's a history. It's an action adventure. It's such a good book. And so we've got three outstanding books that are going to be 99, I'm sorry, four outstanding books that are going to be 99 cents each. So each week, if you want to find out what books are going to be on sale each week, you can go to our website, writeintegrity.com. That's right with a W, W-R-I-T-E, writeintegrity.com and click the on sale tab. Um, but also you can make it a lot easier on yourself and just sign up for our newsletters right there on the front page. And you'll get a newsletter on Sundays, um, sometimes Mondays, but usually on Sundays telling you what's coming, what is on sale right now. It's a real short newsletter and you can, you can find a link and go in there and get those books for only 99 cents as you find out about them. Um, Let's see, we are almost out of time, so let me go through. There are a couple other things we have to share. Today we have a brand new release, a brand new release. Just today, you can get Peggy Cunningham's picture book. It's called Hooray for Holidays, book two. It is so beautiful and such a sweet book full of three cute stories that talk about the holidays from March until July. It is at a 40% discount right now, but the price goes up to the regular price tomorrow. So make sure you get it if you want it. Um, it is available in ebook, and that's what's at a discount. But it's also available in a paperback, and it's also available in a hardback. And I always get the hardbacks because these books are just gorgeous. Then we have a second release this month. Joan Denise has a, just a at such a touching, heartwarming series called The Redeemed Side of Broken. And it is complete this month with Loving Brock. It comes out on the 18th. It's a powerful story that explores life in Africa, a medical emission, and the heartbreaks that can be involved in romance. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was going to go through a couple other things, but we really are out of time. Gosh, we're down to three minutes. Let's see. Um, they talked to me about, oh, I'm going to be speaking in the woodlands. Next week, next Saturday, on the 14th, my topic will be the psychology of a hero, and I'm having fun putting that together. Um, Faye, talk to me about the Storms and Serenity blog tour that you just did. Real quick, it we got about a minute. One, it was through Celebrate Lit, and the outpouring of interest, it overwhelmed me. The honest reviews that were given to me by the bloggers. They gave the reader an ideal of the complexity of this epic story. And I've just been so humbled and blessed by the bloggers. And I want to send a shout out and say thank you all very much because you did what you should have done. You were honest and you, you let the readers know exactly what this story was about. And overall, you were, you were overwhelmed with the story and I was overwhelmed with your goodness toward me. So thank well, you, bloggers. Well, they were some wonderful blogs. There were some wonderful reviews. So, Faye, we need to say goodbye. We'll be back here on the 1st. Okay. Um, I thought we were early this month. We're going to be early next month, big time. But don't forget that you can also send your questions to us at downpublishinglane.com. Um, and so, L-A-I-N-E, so make sure you send us your questions and we'll get to them. If we get to your questions, we'll actually give you a free book. So bye, Faye. Say you goodbye. Bye, Margie. <laughs> <laughs> Have an awesome week. Have an awesome month, listeners. And we hope to see you again in May very soon.
This has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit writeintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.